everybody and welcome to the carol connection i'm your host jared carol and i'm here to bring you guys another great episode so i also want to just take a chance to shout out brock for coming on my last episode and if you haven't take taken the time to listen i did just drop a solo episode episode seven and a lot of statistics even say about podcast is people usually quit after episode seven so i really wanted to make an emphasis to uh, make a seventh episode and make it myself and it's just a year in review episode talking about what happened in 2019, what led me to the podcast, my goals for 2020, and I think it's a really great episode. And you guys should take take a look, take a listen. I mean, and it's about I don't know half an hour maybe. It's nothing like my other episodes. So take a listen. It's kind of cool. I'm I'm not sure if I'll do solo episodes going forward, but um, I think you guys should just take a look. So switching gears to this episode, episode eight, I'll be interviewing Tracy Carol Corcoran my aunt. Uh, I'll just bring her in right now. How are you doing, Auntie Tracy? I'm good. Thanks. Nice to be here. Yeah. Appreciate you taking the time out of your day to sit with me and do this type of interview because I know a lot of people get nervous about talking about themselves and putting mm-hmm. themselves out there. So yeah. I do appreciate you taking your time Absolutely. out of your day. I'm honored that you wanted to interview me. <laughs> <laughs> of course. So let's just introduce yourself and talk a little bit about what you do currently and all that so that people have an idea of who you are and what you do. Okay. Um, I'm 49, going to be 50 this month, which mm, is crazy to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm a preschool teacher. I've been doing this for about 25 years now. It's what I love. There is no money in it. There will never be and didn't get into it for that. But touching lives, making a difference. And that's why I do it. I yeah, I think it. that's a big, big thing, too, is where people get lost and the chasing the money aspect mm-hmm. of life and life with money is so it's like it's pointless really yeah <laughs> you think about just chasing money and careers a lot of the pressures on kids nowadays with that is go get the most money you possibly can go get that mm-hmm. that bag quote unquote and yeah. that's not the way we should be telling it's not what we should be telling our children and not what people should be educating like yeah. hey try to get the highest paying job you possibly can and i think a lot of people are confused too as kids growing up it's sometimes too it's a pressure from the parents so oh, yeah. i think sure. it's an issue and something like teaching i think it's something it's really great that you do that too especially someone the, like young children i think that's the chance where you can really have impacts on their lives because like it's preschool so i mean that's mm. where that's like the first stages of them getting into schooling so oh, you yeah. could really steer them one way or another too with exactly. that so yep. i think that's kind of interesting Thank uh you. what made you get into teaching Uh, I think it had to do with when I was growing up in school, I had a hard time. I was undiagnosed for years and I, I did well in elementary school and junior high, but once I got to high school and you become more independent, things just became more difficult and I felt stupid. I felt dumb sometimes, especially when teachers would say, are you sure you're Chrissy or Jimmy's sister? <laughs> because they were straight A students, honor rolls, and here I am. So it was hard for me, but I had one teacher who, she was hard, 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 but she came up to me and she said, you can't be pretty forever. You mm. need to figure this out. But she was... She took me under her wing, and she told me to stay after school, and she tried to help me the best she could. And so she made a difference. She made an impact. And why I wanted to continue education and be a teacher, I wanted to be that for another child. I didn't want another child to feel like they weren't good enough, they weren't smart enough. So, And someone was in their corner. (laughs) Yeah, that's definitely that's that's a very good mindset to have. For someone who's going into teaching, because I think a lot of times people who do go into field, uh, teaching field, sometimes don't have a, the best mindset going into. They think, "Hey, I'm going to help children," and then like mm-hmm. a few years into, they're like, "This fucking sucks." Oh, like yeah. they don't like it. It's not and, for everybody. No, and it, there's a lot of turnover in this field, especially mm-hmm. early childhood education, because it does take a lot. It's wearing on you, and you don't get the respect that the public school teachers get. 
they when I say, oh, I teach pre-K, oh, that must be fun. You play with kids all day. I'm like, actually, I have to do assessments. I have to make sure the their social-emotional health is intact. I have to get them ready for kindergarten. And it's daunting sometimes when you have 18 and you have to every day. We're taking observations. We're setting learning goals. We're doing assessments on them trying to figure out how we can boost their skills up higher. And it's difficult when, you, when you're when you in public school, you teach to the test and everyone's kind of right there. But with 18, four and five-year-olds, you've got some who've never been in school before and some who have. You can tell who gets read to at home and who's just in front of electronics. And it's hard to get that gap and get them together. Yeah, that's an that's an interesting too, because I think also now too, the heightened awareness of just things like autism and mm. ADHD and like all those things that fall into the mental health aspect or that realm is heightened, especially in that that early age too. Is because sometimes parents aren't aware of that too, because they've Absolutely. never had to deal with that stuff in their lives. So mm. they just think, oh, my kids might just be a little slow. He just doesn't grasp exactly. everything and that's something probably too, they educate you in your schooling to be aware of those things and those triggers and what goes on to identify those things. Hey, like maybe you should go talk to someone about your child and see they, they might have something like autism. There might oh, be something sure. there. And that Absolutely. would, yeah. Cause having that diagnosed early on it's is going to make a huge, huge difference, difference that life. Absolutely. And that's what we're looking for and trained for. If your child is not hitting um, these benchmarks that the rest of the kids are, sometimes it may be a learning, a new language learner, if they're coming from a Spanish background or a Chinese. Mm-hmm. So we give time for that because those children do catch up. But if they're able, not able to comprehend and answer a question on topic then that's where we say, okay, we'll keep an eye on this. And having those conversations with parents is really difficult. Yeah, they probably don't want to have that You You never want to give a parent news that your child isn't where they should be. It's mm-hmm. so hard, and I'm not di- uh, qualified to give any diagnosis. I leave that to the doctors. But we're there to see them first. We have them for six hours a day in our classroom, so we know a lot, and sitting down with parents saying, your child needs a little extra help. We're concerned right here. It's always hard. Some parents do embrace it and say, you know, I always had a feeling and Mm -hmm. thank you. Some parents are in complete denial. They'll get angry at us and sometimes take their kids out of our classroom, which we've had too. And you feel so awful because we're just trying to give this child everything they need, everything, so they can do better when they do get to elementary school, giving them that head start that they need. Yeah, because that's a it's preschool. It's early development right it there. Is. Like that's yeah. the first time most of those kids are even in a classroom like that. Like I don't know for me, I don't really remember. I went to preschool. I obviously could yeah. not tell you anything about preschool. Exactly. Like, so like, <laughs> I mean, it's probably more subconscious than anything. Yeah. Just being going through that stuff early on in life. So having teachers who actually care and mm-hmm. like are trained properly to address things, a child might need special like yeah. attention and things like that. And that is definitely a difficult conversation to have. And especially nowadays, cause no one really wants to hear that. Exactly. Like people like want to avoid those conversations yeah. and, it's that's like what we're kind of doing here is having a difficult conversation mm-hmm. talking about share, talk, talking about who you are and sharing stories and it's mm-hmm. reiterating that about the concepts of the podcast is yeah dealing with those things and talking mm-hmm. about that so people are more aware of situations like a lot of people might not have any family members or friends who are involved in teaching yeah. or even early on like uh preschool or pre-k or daycare like they yeah. might not have anyone they in your know. life yeah, yeah they have yeah. no that's why sharing your story might inspire someone else who is thinking about going into this field mm-hmm. or who is in this field like I relate with that. Yeah. I understand that and I know where she's coming from cuz I'm going through that too or Yeah. And you never know, you might inspire someone else to who has no direction coming out of high school yeah. or something like that. Mm-hmm. Who's listening, they might be like maybe I should go into teaching. Maybe I've never thought about that and mm-hmm. I think that's something great with your story and it's different than the other people who I've had on the podcast and Yeah. Like I've said multiple times on the podcast is every person's story is different 
Exactly. But you can get inspirations from every person's story. Like everyone has something to offer, but yeah. they don't see that in themselves. Yeah. Until and, you look back. <laughs> yeah, until it's too late. And mm-hmm. that's that's why I like doing this is opening opening that door early enough where people can realize like, hey, you have something to offer. Yeah. And that took a lot for me to realize too. Like mm-hmm. I went to school, went to school for business, like everyone mm-hmm. else who doesn't really know what they want to do. They don't want to do nursing. It wasn't yeah. for me. And yep. like I don't want to be an engineer, it's not for me. And mm-hmm. like oh, I'll do business and you can get sucked into that that realm of yeah. being a businessman. This quote is where unquote. I should be. <laughs> yeah, I need to make money, quote unquote. Yep. And mm. then you get stuck. And then a lot of people who go into the business field, going into universities and college, get stuck because mm. they'd be doing it for a little bit and like, what do I do after this? And yeah. some people don't even think about that until they graduate and they're like, I should have got some internships or done something <laughs> like. For it me, this transition to the podcast, and I mentioned this in my year in review episode, was just coming to grips with who my who I was as a person first. Yeah, and figuring that out. But the first thing I had to figure out was just fitness and getting my body right. Because if I'm not right physically or mentally, nothing I can't. Else works. Yeah, nothing yeah. is gonna click. Mm. And that also relates to with young children. Like, yeah. what's the process with like going through like a normal day? Like, how do you? Make sure everyone stays engaged because I know at that age it's definitely a very difficult thing to deal with because you know, kids are all we over like the place. We like to refer to it as trying to herd kittens. <laughs> Sometimes it's impossible. September, October, even a little bit in November, they're the hardest months. Because you're taking these children from their parents. And sometimes when the parents drop them off, they're crying. The moms and dads were like, you're giving the signal that this is a bad place. And I don't trust that you got to put on that happy, brave face and make them okay. So getting them into the classroom and just feeling comfortable, we build a classroom community. That's our goal in the beginning of the year. We want them to know that each person is respected and valued and you you matter here. You're you're an important person here. So we do, we have our morning meetings and because it's a full day program, I used to work for Head Start, which was um, zero to five years old. And the age, three to five-year-olds could be mixed up in the same classroom, mm-hmm. which is insane because a three-year-old and a five-year-old are completely different. Yeah. That was my one thing with Head Start that I didn't agree with. And then I had an opportunity to take position for a state pre-K. So it's run through the state and we have a curriculum we need to follow and and it's lined up with the kindergarten years. So in this position... We have the kids for, like I said, six hours. So we start them with breakfast, morning meeting, and then we'll go into small groups. And we do science projects. We do math, but it's not sit down and flashcards and things like that. It's fun games where they don't even know they're learning. We do letters. We do rhyming. We do so much. And we just got a new smart board, a huge one which is our first time kind of stepping into the new technology because these kids are they're growing up much different than I did. I didn't get a computer till I was in my late 20s, maybe yeah. 30s. And you know, you have to embrace the technology you, have to you know can. how to do it. You can't yeah. you can't avoid it and go old school and people will argue that that's the best way to do things and no. you can't. A little bit of both. I think that's definitely where good. people are going to have to settle and realize like because there are things like I mean, a lot of those kids, his parents are giving them technology straight out the, <laughs> straight oh, the womb. Like, exactly. Here's a phone or an iPad. Like, here, just go Oh, yeah. I had a yourself. child who didn't speak much, could not comprehend a lot of the language we were speaking, could not recognize any letters in her name. And by that age, you should be able to recognize the letters or you're starting to learn and she just couldn't. And we worked all, almost all year on just the first letter in her name. And she'd get it. And then we'd go on a break. And then she'd lose all that information she had. And we sat down with mom and had a meeting and said, do you read at home? Things you could do. And the mother was like, oh, should I be reading to her? I'm like, oh, gosh. <laughs> like, yes. I'm like, so tell me, what do you do when you're at home? What does she do? She's like, well, she loves the iPad and my phone, and she just watches videos. And I'm like, well, there we go. <laughs> There's that lack of interaction. So as great as technology is, 
it's also it's buffering that, uh, that it's that tough. connectivity. It, it is, especially when they're that young. I don't think children need anything that young. No. Not even till later in elementary school. Shoot, I didn't get a cell phone until I was like, I don't know, oh, God. middle yeah. school maybe? Yeah. I don't know. Like, these kids are like elementary school and like demanding phones. Oh, for it's sure. Like, it's, it's crazy and they don't need it. And I understand the safety of it. They want and... I mean, I understand too where they feel like they need it because if you don't have it, you just feel like an outcast. Oh, like, absolutely. Because like now every parents are just giving it to them. So yeah. like if you're the one parent that says no, you can't have it. Then you're the bad guy. Yeah, you're the bad guy and your <laughs> yeah. kid's like, I'm like outcast. Isolated, yeah. And you don't want to do that. So it's trying to find that balance between actual hands-on teaching and technology. And Mm -hmm. I will a hundred times go for hands-on every day because Mm -hmm. it's the connection that's going to matter the most, especially with a five-year-old. They really need to feel loved and honored and respected. And we build these relationships in our short month. We have them from September to June. September, October, November, like I said, those are tough. But then come May and June, those are your kids. They're my babies. And when we have graduation, it's heartbreaking. I cry because we've watched them grow so much. And then they're leaving us. And we know they're not going to remember us when they're 10 or anything. But when they, the parents come back to visit, and they're like, Thank you so much. My child did amazing in kindergarten. They were reading right off the bat. Everything you did made such a difference. And I want to thank you. He loves going to school because he had a great start with you. And I'm like, okay, this is good. (laughs) I think that was kind of key what you said, too, is building a community. I think a lot of people uh, don't feel like they're part of anything. And so starting that off early on in that early stages of life is definitely crucial for developing those skills and developing how to communicate with others too, especially their own age. And like, because most likely that child has never dealt with other kids its age Mm. for the most part or in a large group like that at all. So that itself is probably a difficult thing to deal with. It's probably the hardest. It's probably difficult to say too. Some of the kids are probably very shy at first. And then you've got kids who are very extroverted where they're like in each other's face. Oh yeah. We have all... We have a little boy right now who he's still crying every day to the point where he makes himself vomit. Mm. And it's tough because we know he's riddled with anxiety, and that's where that's coming from. So it's hard to watch this and know we, the parents probably could be doing more, and it's tough. And through the years, I've had so many kids with just awful stories, yeah. and it makes you appreciate what you have. I had a little boy come to me one year. He was four years old. He had a file as thick as anything because he'd been in the system for years. He was living in a shelter. He was abused physically in the shelter. Mom was a drug addict, and he had so much trauma, and he was living with the aunt right now. So when he came in, he was not trusting anybody and He did not want me near him. He couldn't trust anybody. All he learned his life is, my mom's not safe. The people around me aren't safe. I've been hurt by everyone who's come into contact with me. So I tried to bring him in the classroom on his second day, I think it was, and he just lost it. He said, get the fuck away from me. And I've never had a little kid swear like that. And he grabbed a pair of scissors, and he was trying to stab me with the scissors, And my other children in the classroom were terrified, terrified. He's picking up chairs and throwing them. So I'm trying to keep them safe because I was alone in the classroom at the time, trying to keep those kids safe and de-escalate his trauma that he's going through right now. I didn't want him to hurt himself or anybody else, and I did not want to get stabbed. And so I finally got him and... I just had to hold him in a lock till he was able to calm down. We went into the nurse's office and closed the door and just let him destroy the room so he could get that out. And those are the kids you don't forget because that's it's 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 awful because like it's not his fault, especially at that age. It's not his fault. Not his fault at all. Shouldn't have to go through that. So when you see that, obviously it's a scary situation to deal with straight up. Yeah, but. It's just, it's sad because you understand, like, 
He's not yeah, doing it because he's mean or he's a he's, bad kid. Yeah, he's just been in he just doesn't trust people because he's been hurt. He ended up going for some intensive mental health at uh, Bradley. He was there for three months. And then he came back into my classroom with an aide to help him kind of ease back into the transition. So I learned a lot from her also about how to see the signals when he was getting too much. And it 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 was difficult, but he did make it and he progressed. And when it was the end of the year, he was crying. He didn't want to leave me because we had talked about during the end of the year, we get them ready for kindergarten transition. So we tell them, you're going to be going to a new school, you'll have a new teacher. And so that was really hard for him because I was the first kind of healthy relationship he built. And they're telling him that he's not going to see me again. And that was so hard. Mm. <laughs> it's so hard. It's like you just want to bring these kids home with you. And and I wasn't a mom at the time. And I and it broke my heart. But becoming a mom has made me a better teacher because I know how much I love my kids. Yeah. So let's and, let's let's keep going with that. Yeah. Let's, uh, talk about you having the two sons and how you got to that point too yeah. as well. That was a journey. <laughs> um. I had been married for maybe six years at the time when we said, okay, we'll start a family. And we just thought it would be easy, but it was the furthest thing. I got pregnant once, and I miscarried at, I think, nine weeks. And then we kept trying and trying, and nothing was happening. So, and at the time, Grandpa just had a quintuple bypass, and grandma was, she had colon cancer at the time. So it was a really hard time for me trying to have babies. And both my parents are really not doing well. So that was hard to get through. And that took a toll on my marriage. The two of us, we just had each other and we were heartbroken. So we tried in vitro fertilization, which is you have to give yourself shots three times a day and be on all these sort of drugs. And then we go to the hospital after a month of giving yourself shots and they harvest all your eggs and take all his sperm and they mix it in a lab and then reimplant you. And I got pregnant and I was pregnant with twins and I was so excited and they were doing great. Then I was 13, month, uh, 13 weeks, which is pretty deep into a pregnancy. Yeah where they said, we can't find a heartbeat on one. And oh, I was devastated because we had already planned names, like we thought about their future, and just to have twins was going to be such a blessing. So when the first, we lost the first one, that was hard. And then three weeks later, when I went for my appointment, they said, we're, we're losing this one also. So we had, I didn't lose it yet, but it wasn't looking good. So I had to take progesterone and just take it easy. And at the same time, my sister-in-law was pregnant and having a baby and it came so easy. So it was so hard to be happy for her when internally I was just losing it. Eventually I did lose both of them at the 13 weeks. And that was awful. That was so hard. We struggled with that for a long time and people don't really understand a pregnancy loss, they treat it like, oh, you know, it'll happen when it happens, or it just if you don't stress so much. That was all the advice we got, and that was awful because you we already had our future planned with these babies, and we were so excited. And then we had to start back at the beginning, and okay, what do we do from here? Lots of crying, and Tim was great. He was so strong. He was wonderful. But it was, it was hard on him, too, because he'd come home and see his wife crying all the time, and there was nothing he could do to help me. So we were going to do IVF one more time, and, and it's so expensive because yeah. health insurance doesn't cover it. And, gra and Grandpa actually came up to me, <clears throat> excuse me, and he said, I'm going to pay for it for you because we were struggling at the time. And I was like, oh, my God, thank you, Dad, because <laughs> I... We didn't know how we were going to do it, but we were so desperate to have a baby. So I was in the fertility clinic, and there was a pregnant woman there. And I said, oh, congratulations. Oh, so this worked for you? She said, actually, I was doing acupuncture 
And that's how I got pregnant. She's like, I tried all these things and nothing worked. She's like, give it a try. So I took that number and we both ran <laughs> over to that woman. And she specialized in Chinese medicine and diet. She changed our complete diet. We both did acupuncture. She would do things that would help him and things that would help me. And we did that for, it was going almost on two months. And then the fertility clinic called and said, okay, it's time you need to come in. We'll start the process with you. And I was like, well, I didn't get my period yet because you had to wait for that. And they were like, well, you should have already had it and been done by now because they were marking everything. I'm like, no. They're like, do you think you could be pregnant? like, oh, my God. (laughs) So the school I worked with, the school I worked at at the time across the street was a Rite Aid. So I ran across the street, got a pregnancy test, and it was positive. I'm like, oh, my God. I was excited, but also scared at the same time because we've already lost three Mm -hmm. and didn't want to get too excited anymore, didn't want to get our families excited. So went to the fertility clinic and my doctors, I was a high, considered high risk at the time because of everything that had happened. And I was thir- almost 35, which was pretty older when you have kids. Mm-hmm. Um, they monitored me very closely and everything was going great, but I still stayed with the acupuncture. She was wonderful. She's like, we can do things to strengthen your uterus and make this baby strong. So... I stayed with it. My husband finally, he didn't have to go anymore. And everything was great. He was thriving. I was feeling great. I was that person who loved everything about being pregnant. I never got sick. My skin was so clear. I just loved every second of it. So then come February 16th, wait, yep, February 16th, and he made his debut. My water broke. We're so excited. We're going to the hospital and going through contractions and all that. And then all of a sudden, an alarm went off. They had a band on me measuring his heartbeat. An alarm went off and about 20 people come rushing in my room and my doctor. And I'm like, what's going on? She's like, his heart rate is dropping. And I'm like, oh, my God, don't, don't. I made it this far. Don't you dare. So my doctor climbed on top of me. What happened was he. it was called cord prolapse I was the cord was coming out and it was wrapped around his neck Mm -hmm. and it was choking him to death so my doctor climbed on top of me she shoved her hand right in me and pushed the cord up and they rushed me to the OR and they're like we got to get him out right away we have to do this I'm like that's fine take him out they took Tim out of the room to get scrubs and Finally, they're like, okay, we're going to cut you open. And I'm like, where's my husband? He wasn't here. So they brought him back in. So he's holding my hand. And we're like, just can't believe that we've made it this far. And we're about to lose this baby. This is not fair. So he came out and he was just completely gray. He wasn't breathing. He wasn't crying. And I still cry thinking about it. And it was just awful. And then all of a sudden we heard a cry. And the whole room just started cheering. I'm like, oh, my God. That's when I lost it. I was calm and stoic throughout the whole thing. I'm like, we're going to get through this. I'll deal with it after. When I heard him cry and they said, he's okay, he's okay. That's when I lost it. That was his birth story. (laughs) And now he is 14, almost 15. And he was named Luke for a very special reason. We were in church when I was pregnant, and the reading was from Timothy to Luke, and my husband is Timothy, and it was all about having faith and keeping going forward and being righteous and all this stuff. We're like, this is really nice. I like it. We went out to dinner afterwards, and our waiter, his name was Luke. (laughs) I'm like, do you like your name? And he loved it. And... My mom was in the hospital really sick with cancer, and she was having a hard time. And so and we looked at the name, and Luke meant bringer of light. And we just needed something positive at the time because we had so much going on that was not positive. So he was named Luke, the bringer of light. And when I told my, I didn't want to tell anybody right away when we were pregnant because we didn't want to get them too excited. But Mm -hmm. it was the medicine that my mom needed to get well. And 
So when he was born, he was just like put up on a pedestal, (laughs) which made him kind of obnoxious as a toddler. But he was so wanted and so loved that we couldn't believe he was here. He was just our everything. He was wonderful. And then two, almost two years to the day, we had Brody. But of course, I can't have a normal pregnancy. When I was pregnant with him, we found out on 4th of July, weren't planning it at all. We just, I'm like, huh, I haven't had my period in a while. So I took a test and yep, pregnant. Couldn't believe it. Like struggling for years and now didn't even plan it. And here we go. But when I was going, I was still high risk pregnancy because of the past and I was 37. So they had to do a ultrasound and he had three markers of halos and those are the signs of um, mental uh, Down syndrome. He had a halo over his head, over his kidney, and I think his liver. So when they told us that, we were like, oh my God, what are we going to do? But we were like, if this is what's meant to be, that's what's meant to be. If As long as he's healthy, we'll get through it. And then after two weeks, when they did all the testing, they said, well, he's not Down syndrome. That thing we see in his kidney is a mass. He wasn't able to urinate out. It was all staying in. So when he was getting ready to be born, we had a kidney pediatric specialist in the room with us because if he couldn't go to the bathroom, he was going to need surgery as a newborn. I'm like, oh, God, (laughs) here we go again. So his pregnancy was easy too. loved every second of it, although I was tired because I had a toddler. But when he came out, he started peeing everywhere. (laughs) And everyone was like high fiving, (laughs) like, oh, my God, (laughs) he got us through. He was fine. And we named him Brody Christian Corcoran. We named him after my husband's brother because he had passed away. two years prior and that was a devastating loss so we wanted to honor his brother by naming giving him that name and because of I was on fertility drugs for so long I ended up growing tumors in my uterus because I always wanted to try for a girl mm-hmm. but unfortunately I needed to have a full hysterectomy because the masses were growing too big and the pain was debilitating where I couldn't even get off the ground. So we knew our chances were over, which it was hard. I struggled with that a lot at the beginning, but I didn't let anybody know. And I didn't really let Tim know, but internally I struggled because I always wanted four kids, two girls, two boys. Mm -hmm. I just wanted to be a mom and knowing that this was it. It was hard. I was grateful that I had the two that I had, and they were healthy, and they were fantastic. But I always wanted more, so that was hard. But eventually, now I look back, and I'm like, okay, the two was meant for me, and I was meant to be a boy mom. I don't know what I would have done with girls, (laughs) because I just relate. I love little boys. They're wonderful. They're fun. They're easy. Mine were, anyway. Just a little... uh Biased, but I think boys are easier to <laughs> deal with. I mean, I'm mean, actually biased. They have all four boys in my house. Exactly. I mean, yep. My mom always wanted a girl, so we got her a dog. So. I know. Me too. That's my girl. That's my Callie. <laughs> it's hard. It's it was difficult, but I'm here now, and they're great. They're they're what they're meant to be, and I think about the babies that have that I could have had sometimes, and that still hurts, but. I I guess I was meant to just have two. <laughs> and they, I guess I've heard too, I've always talked about, well, not talked about, I've always listened to people who've talked about um, when we do pass on to the next life too, those energies of mm-hmm. those children are still there and they're waiting. And yeah. like, that's always something too, like I'm not a very religious person. And I don't really yeah. believe in some of that stuff. So I'm more spiritual and I don't dig too deep into that in the yeah. podcast, but I, I think it's all real, relatively the same stuff. I mean, it just depends what you believe yeah. in. I remember Tim's grandmother was near death. She was very ill when I was, I think I was pregnant with Luke at the time. And we went up there for our last goodbyes to say to her, he's got a big Irish family and they're all there. 
And she just pulled me down and she was like, don't you worry, I'm going to take care of those babies up in heaven for you. I was like, oh, (laughs) she just made me cry. I was like, that was, I knew Meme was with them, so they would be okay. (laughs) That's definitely a a difficult thing to deal with too, especially when you are ready to have children. And like, you think this, like, people get stuck in this mindset where they think life is just a straight line. Like you go through school, (laughs) you get your job, you get married, you have kids, you have a family, and Mm -hmm. it's all this cycle. And no one's one's life is like that. It's a complete snake, I guess. Oh, absolutely. Ups and downs. and There's so many hills and valleys. There's no straight line in life. No, not at all. And I always thought it was going to be so easy to have a baby. I mean, people do it every day and all people around me having kids and going to shower after shower was awful. And working with kids at the time, I worked with infants and toddlers Mm -hmm. at the time. So when I went back to work, I was holding a baby in the rocking chair and I just lost it. I'm like, "I, I can't be here. I can't do this anymore. I can't work with this. And that's when I said, I need to go with the older kids. Yeah. <laughs> and it was tough, like, before trying to get pregnant. I had, when I was in high school, it was hard. And I was like, I'm never going to college. I, I just, I'm not made for this. I struggled to get through high school as it was. But my dad, he pushed me. He's like, you got to get a degree. You've got to do this. And he kind of he struggled his life too, his whole life. So I was like, okay, I'm going to do this. So I went to see Sarah. I got a two-year associate degree in early childhood. I was like, all right, well, this is good enough. And I would start working with kids with Head Start. But I knew I wasn't going to get anywhere with an associate's degree. I needed more. Mm -hmm. But then life got in the way and I quit school. I didn't quit school. I just didn't continue to my bachelor's because I just didn't have time. That road forked and went a different way. And it wasn't until 2015, just a few years ago, that a grant landed in my lap that was through the state of Rhode Island. It was for teachers who were already in the profession if they wanted to get a second degree or continue to get their degree, that everything would be fully covered and books would be paid for, everything. So I was like, I can't turn this down. And I wanted to set an example for my boys. Because when I was growing up, college wasn't, I didn't feel like I had to. My mom and dad didn't. My mom didn't even finish high school, I didn't think so. I was like, it wasn't important where now as a grown adult, I'm like, it is important. It was important for me. Mm -hmm. And I knew I wanted to have one. I always felt embarrassed that I didn't. Like yeah, there's a, a stigma around yeah. not having a degree. And it's, I think more recently than not, it's starting to change because a lot of the kids who are going to school are coming out and not doing anything oh, with absolutely. their degree. So okay. now people yeah. who are sitting out of school are like, hi, you got you had paid yeah. all that money for nothing. And it's yeah, like, like, so now it's kind of like flipping a little backwards. And yeah. I don't think there's anything wrong with having a degree or not having yeah. a degree like trades are a huge thing and i think oh, trades gosh. are going to be i think trades are going to make their way back That's and become more popular because oh, sure. people don't really want to get dirty and they don't want to do the yeah. hard labor and yep. people don't understand any job you do yeah. You're going to do the bitch work up front. Yep. When you start up front, that's what you're going to do whether yeah. you're in like a corporate office or yeah. you're like changing toilets. Like yep. you're going to do the bottom of the barrel work. Good work. And then you work your way up in whatever field you're going to do. So yeah. right. it I was, think it was important for me to get that degree, though. I wanted it because I, I was I'm in my late 40s and I still always felt like I wish I I just wish I did it. I think you did the best possible path, though. I talked to this on prior episodes was I think people who listen to this. Yeah. Take this advice is you don't have to go to a four year school straight off the bat. Mm. Community college have a bad rap, too. Oh, gosh. Yeah. And. You get the same degree. So you go two years at one school at the community college and transfer over to another school. You get the same piece of paper at the end of the four years or however long you take when you get your bachelor's. 
and well, the no one, are the same. no one asks if you went to a community yeah. college. No one cares, yep. and you save money. I like, know it's the it was now two it's years. free to in Rhode Island anyway at community college in Rhode Island. You get if you're a high schooler going in for mm-hmm. the first time, you you get it for free. <laughs> I mean, the, are it crazy makes for not sense. That. You take those two years, get all your gen eds done, this, and then go on. Two years at four year school. I mean, the difference I would say for people who want to go to that four year school is you do make relationships and you do build a nice connection because that's what people are trying to get away from whatever they're wearing prior to and there is a a good opportunity there to build relationships but you got to do a little pros and cons there and really think about is the money that i'm about to put myself in debt really worth those relationships that i'm gonna get and if you think they're gonna be then yeah go to school i mean i i'll be straight up and honest i don't think me, I started end up commuting my second half, but the money that I spent to live on campus, mm. I met really cool people and I have good relationships to this day, but they weren't worth ten, fifteen thousand dollars, whatever it was. I yeah. wouldn't. I wish I could get that money back. Yeah. Like, but it was an experience nonetheless, and yeah. it was a good a opportunity. Good so I don't want people to be hearing me and be like, "Oh, you're you're slamming for your universities or something." No, 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 no. no. Yeah. I think there's a path for everybody, but absolutely. you need to be able to understand that there are multiple paths that you oh, can take absolutely. and that people just get stuck coming out of high school. One size fits all. I got to go to yeah. college and this mm-hmm. is what I got to do to be successful. And that's absolutely false. Yeah. And it's not true. And just like mm-hmm. somebody like yourself who yeah. through an extended period of your life yeah. didn't go to school and then yeah. you went back and it, it does set a good example because my dad did absolutely. the same thing and yeah. went later in his life yeah. and got his, his degrees. So yeah. it's like... It makes a difference too. It so does. people who maybe listen to this and aren't they got out of high school and they were doing different jobs and maybe they're thinking, Maybe I should have went to school. You still yeah. can. Oh, absolutely. I think and that's, that's, that's huge. a big thing. Never use age as an excuse. Mm-hmm. And I did for a while. I'm like, Oh, I'm too old. I can't do this. This is ridiculous. And that well, I think I was looking for any excuse, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> and once I had kids, I was like, This is I, I could never go back to school. I have kids. Mm-hmm. And I did it. it. And there were many times I wanted to quit because it was hard. My husband worked at night. So I worked. I kept my job 830 to 430 every day. Come home, feed them, take them to whatever activity they had to do. Go to class. I wouldn't get home till 10 o'clock. At homework so many nights every weekend was homework writing a paper reading it was hard it was the hardest two years of my life and it sucked (laughs) (laughs) but I look back now and I'm so thankful I did it and I met a great group of women throughout it too we were all in the same boat Mm -hmm. so we had each other to bounce things off of and help each other when we were struggling and I got to student teach in Providence, which was fantastic. Mm -hmm. I loved it. And I like the inner city. That's kind of, I like. There's different energy there. It was. was. And those kids, some were not easy, but it was a great opportunity to learn and to see what I want. And my degree now is in pre-K through second grade. Mm -hmm. So, and everyone's like, oh, so are you going to go into elementary school now that you got your degree? Mm -hmm. I love what I do. That, <laughs> I love right this there, age. Right there, what you said is the key yeah. for people to understand and finding their, their quote-unquote passions in life. Is if you enjoy what you do, no matter what it is, if you're teaching or you're um, delivering food or delivering, I don't know, packages for UPS mm-hmm. or changing tires or whatever you're doing, if you enjoy it, don't let anyone else's perception change how yeah. you view yourself and what you enjoy. Because if you enjoy something, that is hard to come by in today's society. Yes. Finding something that makes you money, but also makes you happy. Yeah. That balance is something that people struggle with. And oh, it's gosh. nice to hear that someone like yourself has found that kind of quote-unquote yeah. balance. Don't get me wrong. I would love more money. <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely, definitely talking about that, too. It's hard. It, it is difficult. It's definitely an underpaid Portion. Oh, people don't understand it that is. either. I mean, and I teachers get a bad rap sometimes, especially in the news. And because they're also teachers who are shitty teachers. Oh, like we're not going to get into that. But I've seen many, and it's awful. Some should. They're just there to get a paycheck, and yeah. it's awful because the kids are going to hate school because yeah. they they know they know when their teacher doesn't like them. Yeah, I mean, and it's awful. Would you want to go somewhere where you know 
someone's not going to like you yeah. and it's awful. It I just creates a that. toxic environment. It does. I mean, that's something that I've tried to like renounce in this podcast is getting rid of that toxic energies. And especially what sucks with someone like that or kids mm-hmm. like that, where you, you have to go to that classroom or that, see that teacher. And yeah. a lot of times these administrative staffs and these principals or whatever aren't very helpful. Yeah. And they're, that also reflects that they're probably just not that passionate about it either. Yeah. And they don't understand because that disconnect too with children now is like this generational gap. Mm-hmm. It's just growing. And people who are a little bit older, especially someone like you who has young boys who understands like social media probably a little yeah. bit more than oh, yeah. some like my parents do. Like yeah. they don't really, they understand because I mean, I kind of force them to. I'm like, yeah. this is what it is. Like yeah. you gotta be, you gotta be there. You're going to get left behind really. Mm-hmm. And That's hard to navigate as a parent. Seeing it's so different from when I was a kid. Yeah, let's let's, let's go into that. Yeah. What's the differences? But you've noticed like raising two boys and oh, the gosh. way you were raised and just all that crap. I was a latchkey kid. <laughs> Both my parents worked, and my dad had multiple jobs. So my sister pretty much raised me a lot, and she was so good. (laughs) Your dad, my brother, he was an animal, so he kind of broke the mold. So they were exhausted after him, so... I got away with a lot more. Oh, totally. Just so that everyone knows, I am not like my dad. <laughs> he's calmed down quite a bit. <laughs> oh, if you, if you probably knew my dad way he, back, he's not the same. Oh, person. he's not the same guy. He's definitely got some characteristics, though. You're like, oh, oh yeah. He still that, likes a good time. Yeah. But it's different. Um, we were outside all the time. The street I grew up on, I loved it. And we still keep in contact and unfortunately two of my best friends Chrissy and Stacy they are both gone now Stacy died of breast cancer 2 years ago and she had these amazing twins and it's so hard to see that she'll never get the opportunity to raise them so that was difficult and Chrissy had died from lung cancer uh maybe 5 years earlier that was hard because that that was my connection to my childhood, my two best friends, mm-hmm. oh, my girlfriends. Yeah. They lived on each side of me. We would look out our windows and talk to each other. So I don't have that connection back anymore. All the guys I'm still friends with, and yeah. but it's just not the same. You have mm-hmm. a different relationship with guys and girls. But it was fun growing up. We were always outside. We had a great time. But up until when my parents got divorced, that was difficult they were i lived with my dad and my brother my sister was away in college so there was a lot of change and it was hard uh i had a lot of unsupervised time be i could have done anything and i did a lot of stuff that i shouldn't have done and i wasn't parented that very well mm-hmm. when I was a teenager and I struggled in school and I didn't get the advocacy that I should have by my parents and I don't blame them they did the best they could and they did better than their parents but yeah. it is what it is people gotta understand too it's a completely different time oh like, gosh and they like were young that, yeah. my mom was 17 when she became a mom mm-hmm. and I was 35 I don't know how I, I never could have been a 17 year old mom and they did they did the best they could but Unfortunately, I needed more. If they had just the two kids, it probably would have been fine. So I think that, and we had no social media. <laughs> no. Didn't even have cameras. I nothing. think people need to understand that two people who might be a little bit older and even younger too, like the way we live now, you're under the camera. Like oh, back then, people like did whatever they oh, wanted to do. And we did. <laughs> <laughs> I followed the Grateful Dead. <laughs> I mean, it was. I'm glad there was no social media and That's what, cameras I, watching I think me. A lot of people say that. <laughs> so I think this generation is a little bit more well behaved in that way. <laughs> there are some outliers for sure. Oh, for sure, in any spot. But navigating it now to see, to especially teenage boys trying to keep them safe. Mm-hmm. from social media but they know a lot they could hide a lot too yeah. and i'm sure they do but i Remember, like to I think they wanna, don't <laughs> i didn't try to add my parents on like instagram and facebook for so long i'm like i don't want you to see my stuff i like, know and then you as you grow older you're like what was i doing exactly. like you, you think your life is so private and all this and it's yep. like 
it's also just part of being, I think, a teenager. You care what people think, and you don't oh. want to be like your mom commenting on all your I pictures, know. being all that stuff. You sometimes don't be like, you're gonna get picked on, and yeah. I, I get that. I get that. It's so funny I, to do it, to be honest. Yeah, I, yeah, I try I and say, give them their distance a little bit, but I do monitor. And yeah, which is key. Thankfully, I don't some parents don't. I, they've got great groups of friends, especially my older son Luke. I know a lot of his friends, and they're great, great kids. Mm-hmm. All good head heads on their shoulders, focus. So that's a little bit easier um i've lost my train of thought i was gonna say something (laughs) (laughs) oh my youngest he has well he struggled i think it was first grade his teacher called me and she's like i'm really concerned do you think he i think he's having seizures i'm like what She's like, I try to get his attention and focus, and I can't. I had to shake him really hard to get his attention. So I'm like, oh, my God. So I picked him up from school, and I'm like, Brody, do you, did you hear your teacher talking to you? And he's like, no, I, I don't know. I, I forgot. And he would always forget things a lot and have to be reminded of things a lot. So I took him to his pediatrician, and then he suggested a neurologist. So... I took him to the neurologist and he got tested over a few days and come to find out he does, he did have ADHD, inattentive, not hyperactive because mm-hmm. he was, he's always been mellow. So his executive, executive functioning skills, that was hard for him. And that's being able to self-start, stay on task, stay regulated. And that was always difficult for him. Mm-hmm. So I knew because I struggled in school and my I didn't have anybody advocating for me. I had to advocate. I was not going to let this kid ever feel stupid a day in his life. And I pushed to make sure he got the things he needed. We went to meetings with teachers where they said, well, he's a smart kid and he's well behaved. So he really doesn't qualify for any extra things. And like, why does my kid have to fail or be an asshole to get the help he needs? Yeah. I'm like, that is not fair. So recently, I sat with one of the school therapists, and I said, listen, if he was in a wheelchair, would you sit him in front of a staircase and say, well, you got to figure it out, get up there? Uh, you're doing the same thing to him, because he's, he's a bright kid, and he's well-behaved. He's not going to get the supports he needs? I said, that is not right. I am not leaving this school until you write him a 504 plan or an IEP, which is an individualized education plan. So my background in teaching helped me with that because mm-hmm. I knew I went to the IEP meetings as the teacher. So I knew what he needed and I was not going to let them tell me no because they say no because they don't like to spend the money. Yeah. But I was not going to let that happen. So I pushed and pushed and he was given the 504. So he, it's sad that a school argues that. It's point, awful. Right? And it's com- it comes We're from gonna, the administration. It's not yeah. the teachers because the teachers had me 100% and he's had wonderful teachers. But administration doesn't want to spend the money because that's... Unfortunately, things are about money, which... Everything, I, yeah. I, and I it, education that. and money should not go hand in hand. Unfortunately, you know, it's very hand it in does. hand. So that I think those were really the main differences between me being a kid and now being a mom watching my kids is you have to be an advocate. You have to know about them and be in their lives. I like to have my husband always makes fun of me because there's a million kids here all the time, but I want to be the house where they want to come to. I've always been like that. And I don't care if my yard is a mess and it's trashed because someday these kids are going to be gone so I want them here. I want them all having fun. I'll make the snacks. I'm that mom. <laughs> so the kids always come over, and they love me, I think. <laughs> and they, I love them. I want to know who their friends are. Yeah. So when I say, oh, yeah, this kid's big, not a good kid. Yeah, that's, that's, I think parents sometimes forget to realize, too, as their kids hit those stages that their friends, inf- like, there's oh. a certain point where the parenting influence cuts off, and it's yes. strictly the friend's influence. Yeah. And, Obviously, parents obviously have the influence in the child's life, but yep. even if you think when your kid comes from school, how much time are you really spending I with know. with your kids too? Yep. So it's like those friends are they're with them all day long, and I then know. sometimes if they do sports or whatever act- activities outside of school, they're still with these kids. So yep. their impact from their friends is huge, oh, and absolutely. it's it can be very dangerous, especially around the wrong type of yeah. people. And at age, you don't really understand who's good for you and who's I really know. not, and 
you get defensive and you're like, it's just my friend and all this. And And you want to fit in and you don't want to be the kid who doesn't have this or that. That was something that having my brother who has autism was seeing the way other kids would treat other other kids who were had disabilities or special needs. And Mm -hmm. it's like, if you only knew what it was like for someone else who has someone who's like that, it's like, I would... I'd literally I'd, I'd beat the shit out of someone if I yeah. like someone was doing that to my brother and yeah. like treating him like that. I was lucky enough to there was one kid his name was Matt and he was track kid played soccer and he from early on would always look out for him and yeah, and th- I followed him and I I kind of reached out to him a little bit but I appreciate someone like that who was raised by the right type of people and to be aware because it becomes the funny thing to do. It's the quote unquote cool thing with these kids. They always make fun of that kid. And like sometimes that kid, you just think, Oh, he's just weird. But like, he could have something wrong. Maybe his parents didn't even know. And like, you never know of someone else's situation. High school now is so it's a lot of these kids are ignorant and they don't understand. And it is an immaturity thing. And it's, I understand that, but you need empathy. You need to understand that these kids don't think like you and they're not like you. And I think, more and more people are understanding that and it's just because people are talking about it like i don't even know the statistics but i feel like there's a lot of statistics where a lot of kids are have adhd or have autism and like Mm -hmm. those statistics are rising which i don't know what's causing that maybe maybe is maybe some of what it is diet maybe it is uh things that we're putting into our body maybe it is the pills that we're giving our children like or giving ourselves that affects them when they are born like we don't there there's got to be some correlation there because there was never it was never like this before maybe just the awareness wasn't there yeah but like there's an issue there and i think years ago even before i was into teaching they didn't have the label for it or the understanding Mm -hmm. they would just kind of put those kids in special ed classes and now they're intermingled in general ed classes with all other kids which is really good is hopefully they these kids have good empathy and take care of them and that's one thing i always try to teach these kids always put yourself in someone else's shoes if you see someone being picked on please stick up for that kid be yeah. the kid who's not afraid to stick up for somebody else because you wouldn't want somebody to do it to you and it's hard no you don't you never know what's going through someone's head especially at that age where you're getting filled with all these different you're going through puberty a lot of the stuff we're talking yeah. about going to high schools where more kids get picked on i think middle school is where it really starts oh, and picks gosh. up middle school is a very horrific yes. time period for a lot of people oh yes whether you want to talk because people are changing you're growing you're in acne like mm-hmm. all this crap and people are and sometimes as teenage these young teenager adolescents are ruthless <laughs> with some of the things they say and, and it's heightened now on social media because they think they can hide behind a screen and like and that's not how that works. Like yeah. someone might pull up on you and just punch you in your face. Like, exactly. and especially when you start growing up and interacting with people who are older and like, they look at you like, do you understand? Like we could like, we'll fight you. Like mm-hmm. there's like, there's generational gaps and like people aren't afraid to involve themselves in conflict. And I think people, these kids growing up got to be understanding. You can't hide behind your phone. Like mm-hmm. if you're going, you got to be the person on your social media that you are in real life. And that's something that I've been trying to preach more and more is what you see on social media is what you're going to get in real life. Mm -hmm. And I've had some critiques where they say on my podcast that I swear too much. I agree. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry, but... And I swear, trust me. That's just who I fucking am. Like, I mean, I don't have an issue with swearing. Yeah. And it's listed right on the podcast explicit content so like <laughs> like there's no like i don't really feel I too bad i do have a mouth of a trucker but i try to control it a little i, I, I definitely <laughs> do it just it it to me it doesn't feel like it's a bad word yeah. especially gro- i'm grown now it doesn't yeah. it doesn't feel like exactly. a bad word and like yeah. it's all over the place and half the music that oh, these kids listen to I hate so the like music. and i, I never thought i'd say that i hate the music they listen no, to no a, a lot of it's garbage a lot of <laughs> it <laughs> I saw someone post something today. Was like, I listen to music of uh, drug dealers. These kids listen to music made by drug users, and it's like that is like you yeah. see some of these like, I guess we're talking more rip rap and stuff yeah. like that, where these kids are young and they're overdosing on stuff and they're rapping off the stuff and not realizing the influence they do have on yeah. these kids, and it's 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 sad too because it's it's nice. so different and like music is not it's ch- it's changing, which ma- it's good that things change, yeah. but 
is it really changing for the better? I mean, that's, that's debatable. And yeah. I think also a lot of older people or older generations are quick to assume like all oh, your music's trash when it's like yeah you gotta really think about what you're listening to like yeah, some of the stuff I you know. guys are to is like similar <laughs> stuff it's just it, just no the, swears in yeah, it. yeah there's no swears <laughs> and these guys are just rapping instead of singing like yeah <laughs> it, it's 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 funny to think about too and yeah. like listen to them both hand in hand it's like Message is the same. A little bit, a little bit of similarities right there. Yep. So it's kind of funny. Yeah, the days of doo wop are over. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a weird time to like. I guess weird time to be alive is actually is. the name of an album. But like, yeah. and is, I worry yeah. about the kids who are doing these school shootings, and this never happened. Never happened when I was it, going. I think it reflects school. mental health. It, it does, and one of the big programs we teach in our curriculum it's through bradley hospital Mm -hmm. and it's a social emotional curriculum we do it through puppets just to give kids the words to what they're feeling yeah uh to be able to understand you know what if you're mad it's okay you don't have to calm down but here are some tools that i'm going to help you Mm -hmm. calm yourself down think of a better place for yourself and let them understand. And we also educate the parents in it, too, of the vocabulary we're using, the tips. So when they get older, and empathy and kindness is a big part of it, too. And we practice every single day. That's what the community classroom is. We're one. We take care of each other. We love each other. And so that curriculum, we're hoping, makes a difference as they go further, because they need that social emotional learning still. Yeah, it'll young become kids. it'll become like whether they remember or not, it's subconsciously yeah. it's digested They'll by their have minds. Tools to further themselves and hopefully be the kind kid who sticks up for somebody who's hurting or the kid who's always sitting alone, maybe because of what they learned when they were with us, they'll yeah. be more up to go over there and make a difference in that kid's life. So yeah, Mental health is just something. That's why part of the podcast is one of my concepts is mental health. Because like, it is such a huge thing where people don't know how to address it because they think, oh, like I'm sad, but like, am I really depressed? Like, And I think everyone can be depressed. It's just the severity differs. And yeah. what causes that, maybe it is a chemical imbalance. Maybe you are just in a situation that you don't like your fucking job or like you're in a school where you're surrounded by people who don't like you or you don't like them, whatever the situation is and communicating that feeling of being alone. Mm -hmm. And a lot of it too is the social media and the internet. It causes that because it's, and especially if you look in cities, like we're not supposed to live like this. We're not supposed to be doing things like that. Yeah. And I try to like, I I listen to a lot of Joe Rogan. He talks about that a lot where, Mm You need to go in nature. You need to go on walks. You need to go on hikes and need, even camping, swimming. Like being out in nature is where we originated from. Uh-huh. Like as going, I guess talking a little bit about the stuff that's happening in Australia with all mm-hmm. those poor animals that are dying, and mm-hmm. people need to understand, like we're human. We're still we're, t- we're animals, really. Like we're we don't own the world. The world isn't ours. We share it with yeah. all these other creatures, mm-hmm. and it goes into the fact of climate change and people don't want to hear that word because mm. it's become politicized yeah. and it's unfortunate because it is a real issue and it is a problem and i wouldn't be doing uh a sir uh, i'd be doing a disservice mm. not mentioning it on the podcast and talking about it because whether i i'm like people are like what can i do like i can't do anything yeah. and talking about it and making other people aware of the situation because mm-hmm. i think some the stat was like over like half i think it was a million or billion animals like i, I don't know. i think it was half oh. a million mm-hmm. just dead and they're talking about koala bears being close to extinct now yeah. and like i've seen pictures of uh this guy's the real tarzan on instagram and he posted a picture of unfortunately it was a baby kangaroo just fried oh. just fried yeah. and it's so upsetting Heartbreak. it's like absolutely it's like especially somewhere like that where it kind of for me i've never been to australia but it it feels like it's more open there's more actual like wildlife there and there's more reservations and things like that so like it's not like somewhere like the u.s where you don't really have like these like Mm. kangaroos running around and koala bears and like yeah it's just sad because that's like a place where it's on not unaffected by civilization but it kind of is it's kind of real life natural animals and i think 
people need to understand the things that we're putting into the air and things that were like the recycling and the plastic, like these things do make a difference. Absolutely. And we're destroying the place that we call home and people don't understand that. And they think, oh, I'm going to be dead in whatever many years. Yeah. What do I care? Like, yeah. well, you care about your kids coming up because they're not going to have a world to deal live yeah. in. And it's going to be complete, utter shit, oh, yeah. realistically. And it's not fair to them and the people coming up. We need to put more care and more... Um, more passion to what we're doing and do things with purpose yeah for that's sure. something i i try to preach mm-hmm. over and over whether it's on the podcast or to my friends or to my family like what's your purpose yeah why are you doing the things that you do like why do you matter really and it mm-hmm. people might be oh that's kind of aggressive like you're really coming at me as a person and it's like you should be doing that yourself already like you should already be thinking like what's what's my point like what's the point of this like what am i doing here just don't want to be aimlessly going through life and just oh it's just a journey like i'm just here man just hanging out like that's not (laughs) that's not a good mindset and that's something that recently came to me and that's why i do the podcast is i want to make a difference i want to share people's stories with other people because whether you think you're interesting or not someone (laughs) is going to hear this story and be like that's really impactful there was a good probably like 20 minute span through this interview where i'm Mm -hmm. sitting here like like you're my aunt, but like, and I know some of this stuff, but like hearing it from your perspective, like yeah. it's something that I've never had to, I've never done. So like, yeah. it's, it's heavy stuff. And like a lot of my podcasts is back and forth, but there's a portion where I just, I didn't say anything. Cause like, <laughs> there's so much like you're trying to interpret and listen to. And it's like, mm. I think people going to hear this and like, wow. Like never give up hope. Yeah. Every, everyone forward. has something to share. Yeah. And I guess we are kind of wrapping up to yeah. uh, my, my, uh, the timeline so i usually do end this podcast the same question i usually ask everybody so what would your advice be to someone who wants to pursue their passions you need to find out what your passion is first and figure out a way how can i do this and still make a living because the real world costs a lot of money so you need to find that but you have to go for it and don't use excuses. Um, work hard. Don't give up. If you're older, don't think age matters because you can. I went back to school. I did it. And you can. You just got to keep moving forward. Yeah, that's very well said. And I just want to say once again, thank you for taking the time out of your day to sit down with me and do this episode because I think it was a really good one. I mean, if anyone's still listening to this point, I mean, <laughs> you'll know like this was a very heavy episode and there was a lot of good stuff in here and a lot of good stories that were shared, which will inspire some people. Which... Thanks for having me. <laughs> so I'll give my little spiel now. So if anyone listened, please like, follow, subscribe. I'm on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, all the, all the major platforms. You really know where to find me. I'm kind of very easy to find. If you need something, please reach out to me. I'm very easily accessible through email, direct messages, all that stuff. Uh, take a listen to my last episodes if you haven't had the chance to. They're really great. I had some really great guests. And just I appreciate everyone that continues to listen. Keep the positive energy going. Keep talking about mental health. And just let's keep making a difference in people's lives. So thank you, everybody. Bye. Bye.